On this episode of the podcast, Turner and Rosie answer a listener's question on how Christians should handle homosexuality. We're going to unpack this and talk a little bit more about this subject, so grab a coffee, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. What's up, warriors? <laughs> hey, what's up? Uh, it's awkward doing that, but this is Rosie, and uh, uh, this is another episode of All Out War, the All Out War podcast, and I'm sitting here in the studio with Turner. What's up, Turner? What's up, Rosie? It's weird uh, doing... <laughs> we switched spots, if you couldn't tell. I don't feel comfortable. It's not my safe space. Yeah, man. But what's going on? Not much, man. I'm enjoying it. Hey, uh... Did you know? Oh, oh, well, probably didn't. You probably didn't. Uh, (laughs) South Korean scientists tinkering with fluorescence proteins uh, say that they have bred a white Turkish Angora cat that glows in the dark. Um, They took a yeah, they took a pair of cats. They they cloned them from their mother's altered skin cells. (laughs) And they're nearly a year old now. Well, actually, they're really old. This is about a ten-year-old article that I read. Oh wow! And uh, but it's um, you won't be able to purchase them at the pet at the pet food store, the pet store, pet store. (laughs) Um, But not to be outdone, the Taiwanese scientists uh, scientific community um, also spawned a glow-in-the-dark pig. So (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) That'd be awesome. We, I. Glow in the dark bacon. That would be so awesome. How cool would that be? Yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> a whole restaurant, right? You Dude, serve that'd like, be so cool. Like barbecue that glows in the dark and bacon and. Like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't need it. <laughs> well, the North Koreans probably would love to um, spawn their own type of flora. They would love to just have any kind of meat or food that isn't. Uh, I don't even think they have a lot of bugs there because there's nothing for the bugs to eat. I know, right? I'm sure they would love to get some nice bugs. I was just thinking they want to nuke everybody, and so they'd glow from that. But <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had the craziest thing happen to me, Rosie. It was so uh, I was yesterday in Starbucks. Speaking of cats, and yeah. uh, so I'm in Starbucks. My daughter uh, cheers, and my wife and I um, were tr- going to bless her coaches, and we were getting some coffees for the coaches because it was really cold, and uh, and so we're in Starbucks and. Um, I'm standing there waiting for our drinks that we had ordered, and this dude walks in, and he's in the full bicycle uh, garb. Like he's got the helmet, he's got the tight shorts, padded shorts, yeah, yeah, and he's got like the shoes that like clip into the to the um, you know the special clipping clip in uh, bindings, yeah, whatever yeah. they are on this on the pedals. But he's not by himself. He's got a leash and a cat on a leash That's so awesome. in the Starbucks, and this cat's just like chilling. He gets his drink. And he leaves. I mean, it was like a, obviously a mobile order. And uh, and so I go, I get the drinks and I'm walking out and he's sitting out on the patio of the Starbucks and he's sitting there drinking his feeder up and this cat's just kind of like sitting next to him on the on the bench and his bike is with him and his bike's got like all of these like saddlebags and like all of this luggage and like, like obviously he's on a long trip you yeah. know, on his bike. So I look at him, I go, do you take your cat on the bike with you and he's like yeah yeah i do and i was like i never imagined that a cat would even be willing to get on a bike and ride around with somebody like i like every i've had cats i'm just like just, their personality just doesn't seem to lend it so yeah and he's like yeah everybody thinks that he goes but this cat's awesome he he just goes with me wherever and uh he goes he's does great he travels he goes i drive check this out i drive on my bike from maine 
to the Gulf of Mexico every year. <laughs> I was and like, back. I guess he has to get back, right? Yeah. He's like a snowbird. And so he just leaves in the fall and drives his bike down to Ride. Florida and then or rides his bike yeah. down yeah, and then rides back up, I suppose. That's crazy. So, yeah. I was just like, wait, what? And I, I, I should have gotten a picture with him because that's kind of like that that's such a rare thing. Yeah, yeah. First of all, to bike every year down from Maine to Florida is or to Texas. bake across a state is insane dude from here to florida we're in we're in the central east coast it's about 500 miles yeah so he's probably going a thousand miles from maine or yeah. more maybe maybe 1500 i don't know that's insane <laughs> i know isn't that crazy that's funny so we got cats that glow in the dark cats that rides on bike ride on bikes it's insane maybe he, had, so. he got a special cat that that'd be good if he if his cat if he can get one of those glow in the dark cats <laughs> so it could be so if he's riding down some dark place it could illuminate everything it's like his own personal like light yeah <laughs> no one would ride into him if they could see a cat cat like glowing dude that would freak some people out too you could have fun with it on halloween yeah that'd right. be awesome <laughs> so uh i did a uh, before we get into the podcast yeah, today yeah. i was just gonna say i did a um on um instagram this week i did a one of those like you can ask questions like hey you know and you know you see them; they come through the stories and all that stuff. And we we have a meager following of a hundred or so people on Instagram. We're not we're not like killing it on Instagram, but um, you know none of our social media. But I love I love I love handling the Instagram account, and it's fun for me, and uh, it's a good distraction for the day sometimes. Yeah. But I asked a question, and then I got a surprisingly a, a pretty good amount of people responded. Yeah, and um, and so some of the people were asking us. I was asking, like, what would you like to hear a podcast on in the future? And um, so we got a couple. Uh, for instance, somebody asked us about Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Would we do a Bigfoot one? And uh, I am down with that. We've done. We've talked about Bigfoot before, not in great detail, but we have talked about him. Um, I'm down to do another a whole episode on Bigfoot. You keep saying him, but it's actually a race. Very good point. Well, that's debatable that uh, it's a race, a species, yeah. well, whatever. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot we could we could talk about yeah. Bigfoot and it, um, her. She's she's amazing. You gotta have um, female Bigfoots to reproduce. Big, yeah, there's gotta it be. Can't be all just male re- <laughs> Bigfoots. Right. Unless, yeah, unless yeah. there's something we don't know about yeah. their DNA. They can clone themselves. But, uh, so Bigfoot was one. Um, we have another one about why, why are there so many denominations? Yeah, and um, and they also tagged in there why the why it's such a political divide, but that's kind of it answers itself. Um, but uh, yeah, so denominations, and then um, and then uh, you know I was I started thinking a little bit more. You and I have been talking. We actually have some great guests lined up for the next uh, you know in the future, the next couple months, where we're going to have some podcasts with some unique guests. Yeah, some cool people um, that are cool. Yeah, and we're I'm looking forward to some of those. So if you're a regular listener, we hope that we're going to continue to bring a quality podcast to you that's entertaining and interesting and helps you uh, get through your day or whatever. But um, but yeah, so one of the questions that we received on the Instagram uh, you know, question we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, and this was a it's a question, it's a pretty serious question and um, and there's a lot to it. So we're going to try and do it justice and we're going to try and be and when, once I share with you what it is, I think you're going to, um, I think you'll understand why I'm being so kind of cautious, cautious. about it. <laughs> yeah. So the question, um, and I'll, let me just read read the question off of my um, Instagram so that uh, I, don't, I don't get it wrong. 
but basically it was uh, Christians struggling against LGBTQ friends, family, people in that group, and also people thinking that they're gay, bi, etc. So I think by that question, um, this individual is struggling with the whole concept of you know really being able to um, how do they how does a Christian deal with yeah homosexuality yeah how do Christians handle homosexuality that's that's a and I don't you know to speak as a pastor in church I do want to qualify the statement and this is this isn't just a qualifier to say oh well I said this no this is like really from my heart I I have people I love dearly mm. love dearly friends family, things like that, you know, people that are very close to me um, that are homosexuals and that, that live in that lifestyle. And so I'm extremely sensitive to the topic just because I care so much. Um, but because I'm sensitive to the topic, I want to be clear on it. Yeah. And I think that's really the heart behind that question that we were asked on Instagram is they want to be clear on it. So we're going to unpack this topic a little bit on the podcast today and um you know, we're going to, you know, it's no secret we're Christians and we're going to, we're going to come at this from the only honorable truth that you can come from, the unchanging truth, which is found in the word. And, and it's going to, it's going to have some heavy, it's going to have some heavy things to say about it. Yeah. But the good news about all of this is that whenever the Bible pronounces something, God is so good that he always provides a way out, always. Mm -hmm. So if he pronounces something as wrong or, you know, abomination or some of the words that we were reading, you and I were going (laughs) over these verses before, and like, it's it's not something that I sit down and just look at on the Bible and go, you know, I think I'm going to unpack homosexuality in the Bible and just go look at it and see every verse. It's just not something I do for fun on that topic. I'd much rather study Nephilim or something like that, (laughs) right? right? But... um, but when you begin to unpack it, there's some very strong language that comes from God's word, and it can be discouraging. It can be, it can be misinterpreted, mm-hmm. and so um, we're going to talk about some of those things too um, here, so that we can have maybe a little bit clearer thought. I think once you have a clearer thought of God's word, then you have a, a better way to approach the topic in yeah. general. Yeah, because I mean that's one of the most important things. I was going to say that you know when you're saying you don't un- sit around and unpack it for fun. Um, there are people that this is their entire ministry mm-hmm. and they do this for, and they've been studying these issues and they are super, super knowledgeable about this particular thing. They've been doing it for like 20 years. They're the ones that are super good apologists um, in this context, mm-hmm. you know, that, so we don't claim to be that, I don't think. And no, I it's important don't. that there's, you know, there's a lot of really good resources out there that if we bring up something that we're not able to, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you're unsatisfied or you want to know more, there's a lot of good resources. And we can put them in the show notes, in the liner notes. Um, I mean, there's just so many books and stuff out yeah, there. Yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, one of the most important things that I think it's still important, even if we're not, you know, by that qualifier of we're not, this isn't our bread and butter, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that we're all called to be um, you know, apologists in our own right. Mm-hmm. And we should be able to be armed with basic knowledge and truth and not shy away from, 
um, answer, you know, answering the, the standing up for biblical sexuality. Yeah. You know, because, you know, especially in today's society where um, it's an issue. Yeah. And, you know, how do you... So... Yeah, so we're going to... The confusion, like a lot of confusion that I run into, uh, anybody that listens to this podcast knows that I'm a pastor, and one of my one of my focuses of ministry has been for the last five years is to millennials, to young adult population. And any group that's that's been really... T- you know, touched by this particular area um, of the culture is millennials, and so I'm older than that. Obviously, some of you guys know I'm. I'm. I was. I'm not in the millennial generation, and in fact, I have millennials as children. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm quite a bit older, and my generation has a different approach to, or had a different approach to this than than your generation. You know, Rosie, because uh, your generation, it was much more common. Uh, it was much more uncommon in my generation. And the church, so let's start there. The church, I don't think, handled it well from the beginning. I think there was a lot of fear. You a mean lot the of, American church? Yes. Because <laughs> I was going to say, well, you know I say the American evangelical current church in the, right, last, right. the last probably 30 years didn't handle it as good as maybe they should have. Yeah. And I need to qualify that statement. When I say it didn't handle it as good as it should have, I'm not saying that they should have condoned it or permitted it or accepted it. I think the way that they came that they pronounced, you know, that it's not God's design and desire was probably done more in a stance that was pronouncing it that would cause people that had same-sex attraction to feel ashamed or to feel condemned or to feel judged. Yeah, it definitely seems like it was one of those things that they the Christian right because it gets you know yes. into politics that, um, which I guess we should say we're I would consider myself part of the Christian right. Well, I mean, but, yeah, we're but, conservative, but conservative Christians, but um, yeah, they definitely it seems like they put it on a pedestal as um, like this particular sin. They spent a lot of time rallying around it and singling it out as you know some yeah some you know like the worst thing ever like you know yeah no they did so i think that's what you're getting at yeah they, they did and and uh, you know it's always a good idea to look at jesus how did jesus handle it and um and jesus has a remarkable conversation with two two particular situations with women who were sexually immoral mm-hmm. one is in john's gospel i believe it's john's gospel uh, and uh, i was just looking for it but i couldn't find it real quickly cuz i was hoping you would go on longer talking <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, basically, the woman caught in adultery. At the well. No, well, oh, that's the oh, other oh, one. Okay, okay. But the first one is the woman caught in adultery. And uh, and basically, here's a woman that had been, was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, she was in the wrong. Yeah. And uh, she's she's drug out into the public. And the, the law said that she should be stoned and killed for, for that act, which, um, you know, agree or disagree with the law, that's what the law said. And uh, and so Jesus, they they bring her before Christ, and he they ask him, "Hey, what do you think? You know, what do you think you should do?" Because he's a, they knew he's a man of compassion, a man of mercy, a man of love, and uh, and so they're kind of testing him to see what Jesus is going to do. Is he going to in light of the law? In light of the law, and uh, and and Jesus knows that. What's ironic about that is that that wasn't that part of the law necessarily 
when he came, he pronounces in the Sermon on the Mount, I came to fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. So, so he's not looking to bring down judgment necessarily because he's fulfilling it. He's actually going to receive judgment from all of the sin of all the law breaking that's ever happened in all the world from beginning to time on when he goes to the cross. But and anyways, he writes, he, he says, you without sin, throw the first sin, throw the first stone. And so he, he basically says, look, we're all in the same boat here. Mm-hmm. She's caught in adultery. She's in sin. But don't, if you think you don't deserve to be killed for your sins, then go ahead and throw the stone. Right. And I saw a funny, uh, I yeah, saw, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, the funny uh, comic of, uh, and maybe you saw this too. It's uh it's that scene, and the lady gets hit in the rock, and Jesus turns around, and it's his mother Mary. Yeah, <laughs> all our Catholic friends are all like, our Catholic yeah. Friends. like, yeah, that's she, right, that's right. Mary's sinless. No, she's not. But um, it, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But uh, the other story was the the was the woman at the well, and she was sexually immoral as well because she had five husbands she's you know it's the one she was with she wasn't even her husband she was just living with the guy and jesus brings that up to her not to condemn her in that sense but to to reveal to her that he knows everything about her in fact that is exactly what she says after she leaves that conversation and she understands that she's speaking to the messiah she leaves and goes back to town and she goes come and meet the man who told me everything about me now, she's a pretty loose woman. Yeah. She's had multiple husbands. Sounds she's like a there. typical millennial. <laughs> but think about this. Her reputation precedes her. Yeah. And these guys that she had been with probably didn't want to go meet Jesus because yeah. he he knew everything. He told me everything I've ever done, basically, yeah, is what yeah. she said. And he's like, uh, I'm part of that story. <laughs> right. I don't need to go meet this guy. But... uh but th- what's amazing about it is, is the two things that I want to point out is that Jesus, number one, he didn't throw the stone at the woman caught in adultery. His, his words to her were so awesome. He just said, go and sin no more. He said, just leave your sin. Stop, stop doing that. Yeah. And with the woman caught in adultery, or, or the woman that was at the well, he basically said, look, you're, he, 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 he actually drilled down deeper on her story because he said to her, give me some water. And she's like, oh, uh, you know, I don't have anything to get water. Then he goes, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for the water and I would give you water that you'd never thirst again. So he was indicating that her life was lacking something very deep and very important. Her identity was lacking something and she was thirsting and she was looking for it in relationships. Hmm. And so her, her sexual immorality was being fed by something deeper that only God could cure. So, this is, these are the two things I want to drive home, okay? Number one is that that we're all guilty, like the woman caught in adultery. We're all guilty, so we have no stone to throw. Uh, and number two, uh, that people are driven to do things when they never, you know, they're driven to do things because they lack something fundamental in their life, and God can provide that. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, He can provide that through a relationship with Him. And then the, the third thing is, is the instructions to the woman caught adultery was to go and sin no more. So there's a there's a pattern put forth before us through those two stories that are really beautiful. One is that we can go to Christ, find forgiveness, we can leave that lifestyle, and we can live for Him. And uh, and yeah, so yeah, I was just gonna think. I was thinking 
which is really kind of interesting about the story when she's caught in adultery and he tells her to go and sin no more. It's kind of ironic because he knows that she's going to keep sinning, not even in that particular one. Yeah. But he's still showing grace and uh, correct mercy because, he, I mean, that's a, that's a, a very large general pronouncement that she understood in a specific sense, but at the same time. You know, he, he didn't say like, oh, you're going to stop, you know, stop sleeping with dudes. And, uh, you know, it, it, he was talking to even just, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. So he, when you think about sexual morality in the Bible, there's like an umbrella. Right. And underneath that umbrella, there are different scriptures that single out different sexual immoral acts. Mm. Uh, for instance, um, in the Old Testament, you're going to get you're going to get some very specific in Leviticus. It talks about even like bestiality, like animals. Like it's going to be talking about um, having uh, a re- sexual relationship with uh, your your stepmother. It's going to be ta- it's going to talk about having relationship with your neighbor. Yeah, you, know, you know, and uh, it's going and it it singles out specific acts so that it tries to remove conf- the, the word of god tries to remove confusion and it does mention homosexuality mm-hmm. uh, both men and women are mentioned in scriptures about you know that being a, a sin and as much as adultery as much as you know uh what we would call fornication with premarital sex um and same with lying yeah, yeah. Um, well, so oh, oh, okay. what I'm saying I'm is yeah, was, the umbrella yeah. of sexual immorality yeah, yeah. in general. So, so when when we say sexual immorality, I always lump it in with every yeah, act yeah, of yeah. that, you know. And so I would I would say everything that's that's outlined in scripture would be would fit under that umbrella. So for me to single out homosexuality, it would only be singled out when the scriptures single it out. But they single it out so that we won't be confused: is this permitted or not? Right, right. You know, so yeah. we have to be willing to accept that. And unfortunately. Uh, in the church today, there are segments of the church that are that are openly welcoming homosexual lifestyle. They're celebrating it. They're actually ordaining, you know, openly gay pastors um, and um, putting them in the pulpit. And uh, and this is this is sad. You know, to me, this is sad because it, it's not an issue of inclusion in this because God's authored this out very clearly. And so for people to say, well, in the Old Testament, he says to stone them and kill them. Yes, Leviticus talks about that. Um, the law had a lot of really severe punishments and judgments for actions. But as we said, as you move into the New Testament, Jesus fulfills the law. So he takes that judgment that everyone would have, but the law doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. It's not as though God's holy standard for people that live for him or for people in general is going to disappear. And this is important for us to understand is that the law is an extension of who God is in the sense that he is perfect and he is holy. So because God is holy and is perfect, okay, that's just the essence of who he is. He can't change that. He can't help it. Yep. Yeah, he can't help it. So like perfection has no, nothing can be added to it, nothing can be taken away. If you do either one, you're going to, it's not, it will no longer be perfect. So he sits in perfection. Nothing needs to be added to him. Nothing, nothing can be taken away. And what's amazing is that the extension of that is he's revealed a moral code for his creation, for mankind to live under. And so whether it's drunkenness or homosexuality or whether it's lying as you mentioned a minute ago or some other specified revealed sin that's offensive to god that breaks his laws 
we have to understand that what's coming out from the law is because of who he is. Right. And we're not that. We're not holy. We're not perfect. But God is giving opportunities. And as much as we know, we should try and strive to obey. That's what we should really try to do. Um, there's just there's just um, too much in um, in light of what happens in the church today, where there's confusion, and they want to change uh, the intent and understanding of what God's word is. And I just don't see how that it, that helps us in any way. I don't see how it helps anything uh, when we do that. Um, let me read a verse out of First Peter chapter two, verse eleven and twelve. And it just says this. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So he's speaking to the church. Mm-hmm. Foreigners and exiles. That means this is not our home. So we belong to him in heaven. This is, this we're passing through. Okay, we're foreigner to this place. He says, Abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives along the, among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Hmm. So he's talking about there. I love Peter. He, he instructs, remember who you belong to. And secondly, abstain. He's like, he's like, there's a war going on for your soul. Yeah, I mean that, yeah, the term wage, uh, there's a lot of power behind it. Yeah. yeah. We're in, a, we're in a struggle. Yeah. We're in a struggle. Uh, we're in a all out war. It's all out war, baby. That's right. <laughs> so, so one of the questions that I get is from from believers yeah. is, um, and this this is it's like, so they have a friend, they have a family member, they have somebody they know, they love, and they're they're in the homosexual lifestyle and or exploring it, or they're just confused, confused, or... not not opposed to it, or maybe they're bisexual, so they kind of go back and forth a little bit, and they want to know how, you know, okay. How do I navigate this by because the big the big rub the big uh, the big confusion is this is that if I'm friends with someone like that does it automatically mean that I condone their lifestyle that I approve of their lifestyle um, and if that's the case I don't do I need to not be friends with them right because I don't want to condone their lifestyle if God opposes it I honor God before I honor anything else in my life and I don't you know I don't want to I don't want to pull away from that and or discredit my relationship with God or anything like that. And I don't want to misrepresent God mm-hmm. also. And here's the thing. I have a, a basic litmus test for this. Number one, if someone, if you're in a relationship with a friend or something like that, if they are not a confessing Christian, then don't go after their sin. Right. Don't don't start pointing out things in their life that are contrary to what God's word says. That's, that's not going to do anything. Wh- what you need to do is love them and demonstrate God's love to them but provide for them an option let them know that hey no matter what it is you're living separated from God yeah so in the most loving way you can, the most loving thing you can do is tell them hey you are separated from God but you there's a pathway in God's provided a way in through Jesus and you can you can begin that conversation but don't start singling out sins because listen it's an umbrella and everything that's under that umbrella is sin yeah i was going to say it's a uh uh, an appeal to authority it's just a uh it's a logical fallacy so which uh, i mean it, it makes sense you know that yeah why would they care you know if you start telling them like hey i can't be friends with you why because you're gay and the bible says i can't be friends with you or they're like what i don't 
Right. Where does that say? I, in I the don't Bible? care about the Bible. Why, why would it? Right, right, that too. So, right? yeah. what are you going to say? You, it, there's no argument right there. It gets shut down. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. There's no. Well, I like, don't know if they would. Out, and, and this is the thing. It's like, it, and that makes a, you look like a jerk. It does. It's a make, it's a great point. And I don't think anyone would outright say them. Well, I can't be your friend because you're gay. Yeah. I think they what they do is they distance themselves. And listen, I have friends that confessing Christians who embrace that lifestyle, and it was incompatible with Christian with with Orthodox Christian living. It was incompatible because because the lifestyle that is attached to the behavior. Right. And so they ended up moving away. And separating themselves from people. Now, there was some really, like in one instance, there was some really candid conversations where, as brothers, we sat down and we shared, "Hey, this is not this is not what God's word says, and this is what you're choosing to do." And that individual understood they're making a decision, yeah, and it was contrary to God's word. So, so that was on a believer's side of things, and this is the thing. So, when you're dealing with an unbeliever, um, the unbelievers do these things. Yeah, <laughs> like loosen up. Like yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna cuss. They're gonna, they're gonna get drunk. They're gonna have sex with their girlfriend or boyfriend. They're, they're gonna, you know, their lifestyle is not gonna represent the glory of God. Right. They haven't met Him. They haven't been transformed by Him. So it's really a non-issue. It's non-issue. Yeah. And so, and the worst thing that you can do is pull away from that person because you may be the only Christian, the only Jesus that they have in their life. So, but it gets gets difficult. It gets, yeah, it gets really difficult because, and and this is where this is what I love. Um, and my wife is really excellent at this. She is just so good at this. Um, she is just really like, hey, this is me. I'm gonna tell you what I, you're asking. My, like for instance, they get in a conversation, and maybe maybe someone's involved in a same sex uh, relationship, and they start talking about their relationship, and they want relationship advice, right? right. And like, oh. You know, she's doing this or he's doing that or whatever. And um, my wife, who's been in this situation, would say, "Hey, look, I, I love you, and I'm. This is me, so I'm just gonna tell you what I would do." And so, without condoning, without that, but remember, they're not saved, right? So they're not thinking through the grid or the lens, or they don't even have the whisper of the Holy Spirit, who's trying to shepherd them into righteousness and truth or any of those things. Mm-hmm. And so. You got. There's got to be a measure of grace that's got to be there. Remember when Jesus sat down with the woman at the well? Yeah. He knew all about her already. <laughs> he still sat down and talked to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there came a moment where it did get real. Mm-hmm. And there may come a moment in that friendship where it does get real, where those divisions are exp- exposed a little bit more. Yeah, but that doesn't happen before you have a friend. Like You know, like yeah. you're not going to sit down. It's not going to come up right away if there's not the relationship and... Uh, built into it beforehand. Yeah. So like I'll use I have an example of for me that's not with same sex attraction. It's actually with a Muslim. It was with a Muslim. Mm. And so I had a guy, his name was Ben. And uh Ben uh before I was a pastor I had a business that worked with car dealerships. And Ben was uh he was a troubled guy. He 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 um he was really working hard to make it in the business and a lot of things were happening um out of his control and he, he was struggling financially and so I had a real heart for Ben. Um, he was he was from Iran, and um, and I can remember he uh, was going through a really hard time. And he just called me one day out of the blue. And I for about two years I did work for this guy as a contractor. He hired me, and um, out of the blue he called me, 
and he he wanted he wanted to end it all. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is this would be the most tragic thing ever. Here's a guy who is, uh, you know, God put him in my life, and I so I just told him, I was like, hey Ben, this isn't the road for you. This isn't what God has for you. He's got a plan for your life, and this isn't the plan. And and I just tried to speak life into him in that way. Now, he never turned to the Lord. I appealed to him. At, at one point, I appealed to him to, to give his heart to Jesus and to get to know. He was looking for peace, and he couldn't find it. And uh, he was looking for it in money, and he had girlfriends and all these other things, and he just couldn't find it. He was he was went from Muslim to Baha'i faith, and which hmm. is a which is a uh, it's really a cult of Muslim Islam, uh, Baha'i. You know they they totally hate it. Islam hates it. But uh, anyways, I didn't get to that point where he called me when he was about to take his own life. Uh, I earned that right through time spent with him and just being around him and letting letting our lives rub against one another. Mm-hmm. You know he. He, I showed him pictures of my kids. He, he, I, you know, he knew, he knew my wife's name because I would talk about my wife, and and I knew his brother's name, who was his business partner, and and her wife, his wife's kids, and their kids, and like he actually like at one point I had to do work for him, and I had to go to his house to pick up a check. I go to his house, and his brothers, they all lived in the same house. There was They have a big house over in Germantown, Maryland. He had, um, they had his brother and his wife and their kids, and he lived there, and he kind of rented the basement, and, and uh, he brings in, makes me a big meal. Yeah. You know, these things don't so – my point in this whole thing is, is that I earned a place where I could speak truth honestly, and he knew that it was real. It wasn't an agenda behind it. I wasn't trying to convert him. It was just that I genuinely cared about this guy. I cared about his life. And he knew that, mm-hmm. and uh, he wasn't finding that anywhere else, and, which is sad. But I was probably the only Jesus that he ever met, you know, the representation of Jesus. And I hope I did it well, and I hope he maybe one day came to faith or comes to faith. But you have to walk down the road to be with people, and it's worth it. And even if they don't, you know, give up, you know, everything and follow Christ and find new life— if they're unsaved, at least you're showing them the love of Jesus. And listen, God's the judge anyways. He's the ultimate judge. Okay? Truth in love. That has to be the way it is. The truth in love. And sadly, the church has given the truth with not a whole lot of love for many years. And we have earned a very poor reputation. And and now we're trying to backpedal. And some of the pendulum swing has been, oh, well, we have to accept it all now. We can't say that it's wrong. We have to accept it. We have to endorse it. We have to now lock, stock, wholesale. We have to say this is okay. And so that's the that's the big rub. So you got the unbelieving friends and then the believing friends. The believing friends you handle differently because they're in the faith and they submit themselves willingly to God's word. So you would bring in the most loving way you can, the truth of God's word. Again, you still need to earn that place to speak into someone's life. Yeah. You know, if I have a friend and we're down that road, I'm not going to unload both barrels and try and just, you know, condemn all of this stuff. And, and it, what good is that going to do? And the rule of thumb is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, this is scripture. Not only that, but Peter, uh, I believe Peter says, gently restore those who have fallen. 
or you yourself would may fall. You know, he's talking about gently bringing someone back into restoration with God. So when you talk about now going from an unbeliever to a believer, they're struggling with this sin. The last thing, think of it this way: if you were struggling with, say, some addiction, like maybe you maybe you struggle with alcohol or drugs or gambling or pornography or something else that you know God's not pleased with, and you shared that with a brother or sister in the Lord, do you want to be judged and condemned for that? That's not why you shared it. You shared it because you actually are struggling with it and you want help. And the best help is the help that comes alongside and lovingly holds you up and walks with you through it. And so that's a that's a process, you know? So I hope I can help. I hope that help clarifies how to walk through this a little bit. And the other thing is take heart. Listen, if you start to reach out to people and befriend them, especially non-believers and that's in their they're in that lifestyle number one i hope that if you do do that that you're called to do that that god's calling you to do that you're not doing it for some any other reason other than the lord's putting that on your heart and you know you should but secondly be prepared jesus had a reputation jesus had a reputation of being a drunkard of being a one who used prostitutes of being a, a greedy a greedy man because he hung out with tax collectors. So Jesus was in the lives of prostitutes, of tax collectors, and of partiers, and he went to the parties. He hung out. The first miracle he ever does recorded in the Gospels. He's at a party. He's at a wedding banquet. And, you know, the uptight religious people don't like to talk about this much, but he turned water into wine. He made that party get rolling. Like, I mean, he he brought the best, and they were like, "This wine is the best wine." Most people save it for the end, you know, for the they put that at the beginning. At the end, they bring out the nasty stuff because they're trying to save money. Everybody's already three sheets to the wind; they're not going to notice anyway. And you brought the best last, and obviously, there's parallels. You know, mm-hmm. you save the best for last. Jesus comes, you know, and he's the best wine. You know, the the new wine, the the covenant wine, the wine that's going to save us from all our sins. Anyways. He was known as being a drunkard and a, and 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 a greedy prostitute user, all of that, because he hung out with those people. So be prepared, love them, don't stop. If they're in the kingdom, loving, lovingly speak to them, appeal to them, appeal to them to turn to the to the Lord and ask the Lord what He would want from that. If they're out of the kingdom, then you want to um, just continue to love and walk with them and let God do the work in their life. Let God do the work in in both those situations' lives. Now, you want to talk a little bit about some the way the church has kind of handled this too in a negative way, how they've um, embraced some of these you know pro homosexual agendas or not agendas, it's pro homosexual stances, and even some of the responses that people will try because the homosexual uh, community has they even have churches and all these other things, but they actually try and use scripture to endorse the lifestyle that they have to say, hey, look, we're actually not in sin. You you guys are misinterpreting the Bible. And so I think it's important for us to talk about some of those things. And there's a couple places specifically that this has happened historically over the past probably 10, 15 years that have grown in popularity and have and, and it causes confusion to the church because I think on one side, it's hard for people to tell people that they're wrong in a loving way. They don't even like to do that. And so if they can say, oh, well, maybe I was misinterpreting the Bible the whole time, then they don't even have to go there. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wrong. Um, you know, the the word of God is a sword and it divides. So do you want to talk about those for a minute? 
Um, I think it'd just be best if we keep going. Um, so yeah, we we found in the what's the name of that book? Okay, we're gonna read out great of? resources. So it's called God, Marriage, and Family. It's by a guy named Andreas Kostenberger, and uh, he wrote this book with a guy named David Jones, and it's uh, basically unpacking the family relationship structure from the Word of God, um, and it deals with um, all kinds of aspects from singlehood, divorce. It talks about uh, just some of the chapters. Um, it 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 talks. Uh, they talk about um, marriage, the nature of marriage, the sacrament of marriage. Um, uh, they talk about Christian family uh, values in the New Testament. Um, uh, they basically just do an ex exegetical uh, breakdown of the family and relationships in the Bible. And one of the chapters that they deal with is called abandoning natural relations. And uh, it's the biblical verdict on homosexuality. And so he has a great spot in here, and I wanted to use his resource to kind of help bring clarity to those things. So I think that would be good. Yeah. Is that what so, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right. these are basically verses that, uh, that like, what were you, you set it up with, that the church pulls out and says, okay, look, this is how, for <laughs> up until us all of church history has been wrong and they've all been, uh, you know, we're the first ones to interpret this correctly. Right. And so 2000 years of tradition and writing and people that lived back then that wrote what they're talking about, they were all wrong. Yeah. So we're going to unpack those and read, uh, it'll just take a couple minutes. It's not, it's not anything great. It's not anything super long, but but so, yeah, and so what, how, so now we're going to kind of go into like, you know, some common, yeah, verses that they use and what, just some theology. Like a response. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Genesis, they like to, uh, so the the most popular story that most people know is Genesis chapter 18 and 19, where it, it's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, uh, and the story basically goes like this, because it's too much to read, I'll just kind of summarize yeah. it. But the story basically goes like this: uh, Abraham, is his nephew Lot is in. He's actually an elder in the city of Sodom, and uh, the 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 neighboring city, the the sister city, Gomorrah. And uh, so he, God's going to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, because it's 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 a city that has uh, is just uh, rejected and repulsed and done all the things that, and they've been warned, <laughs> and. Uh, and so uh, Jesus mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah in the New Testament as well. But uh, so God, Abraham begins to appeal to God and intercede for <laughs> the city that he won't judge it because he knows his nephew's in there and he doesn't want his nephew to be killed. And so God uh, permits him to go and get his nephew Lot out of the city. And so when Abraham goes down there and God even makes a, a permission for him to, anybody that will be willing to come, yeah, bring him out. So... Lot, so God sends Abraham, uh, Abraham down with messengers, and these messengers are angels, and they are in the form of men. And Hebrews uh, chapter 13 talks about we can sometimes entertain angels unaware, mm-hmm. right? And so we know that angels, angelic beings, can take the form of, of men or of people, of humans. They show up, they go in, they're noticed. They must have been pretty buff or attractive or whatever. Yeah. But what's sad about that story is that the men of the city 
surround the house and they demand that that they would bring out the, the that they would come out so that they could know them. In fact, I'll just read I'll, I'll read that portion real quick because it, it makes it clear. It says, but before they lay down to go to bed, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, this is this is Genesis 19, it says, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came out to you, came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. So he says they want to know them, and that's a biblical that's a biblical phrase for have sex with them, mm-hmm. to know them. Uh, and then it goes on to just say, it says that uh, Lot went out to the men in the entrance and shut the door after him. And he said, I beg you, brothers, do not act so wickedly. So that's a, when he said he want to know them, it wasn't like they just want to know them, like, hey, what's your name? Where do you come from? What's what's it like, you know, where you are? <laughs> do you like do you like cards or baseball? You know, no, they wanted to, you know, know them. And it says, because he wouldn't have said that it was an, a wicked act otherwise. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, it says, Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you. Now, that's horrible. He's offering his virgin daughters in exchange. Gosh, man, I have two virgin daughters. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Like, that's just crazy to me. And he says, uh, Let me bring them out to you, and you can do to, to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. And now, now we will deal with deal worse with with you than with them. And uh, and then they pressed hard against the the man Lot, and he drew back and into the door, um, uh, to where they nearly broke the door down. And so, uh, the, the story, you know, basically they want to they want to have these men, these angels, these two guys, they want to have sex with them. And they wouldn't even have all the men. They want these men. They don't want to. They they don't even want the women, the virgin girls. And I'm sure that they were beautiful. And so their attractions were off. So what commonly is misunderstood in that story is that the pro homosexual uh, interpretation is that it was uh, against gang rape, and that the sin was the gang rape, not the homosexuality. Right. That they were going to rape these men. And secondly, that it was the sin of inhospitality. So, I know. So, I mean, just reading the, the couple of verses that I read, no one would walk around, walk away and say, wow, how evil were these men that they were so inhospitable? Right. You know, like they were so inhospitable to the, the visitor to their city, not realizing that the visitors to their city were angels that were delivering the one person God was going to let them come out only by mercy, and that they could have an escape, but they're going to be judged, and he, they will be judged. It, mm-hmm. There's a stiff judgment. So the weakness of that argument is, I mean, just obvious. It seems obvious to you and I. We, but uh, and and according to Kostenberger, he says the offense is not limited to gang rape. It says not just sexual immorality, but unnatural desires. Uh, Jude and Peter both talk about those. Gang rape uh, never occurred yet Sodom and Gomorrah were still destroyed. So they were still destroyed. They never gang-raped these angels. They get out of there, but they were still destroyed. So it can't be gang-rape. It can't be that they were going to gang-rape, and so God ju- He doesn't judge you for what you were going to do. Yeah. He judges you for what you do. Secondly, um, when it comes to the inhospitality, 
It says uh, the word yada in Genesis 19, verse 5 must mean sexual relations. That means to know, yada, to know. And uh, he says, not get acquainted with, as I was speaking of earlier. <laughs> and it says, uh, though Lot supposedly broke the local hospitality code, uh, it was the citizens who were killed. So Lot broke the local hospitality code because he wasn't willing to give these guys up for him, but yet the citizens were judged for it. So the the hospitality, the inhospitality, the gang rape um, concept of that just doesn't hold water. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but but what happens is people teach this, and then you're you're ignorant to your word of God, you're ignorant to the language, you're ignorant to the 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 common theology that runs through the Old New Testament, the character of God, the nature of God, what He's revealed to Himself, and and you just don't. You, so either they are those people that are the Christians that teach this are either they're either in heresy and they're willingly misleading people um, or they're ignorant they should not be teachers either way they shouldn't be teachers right because they're they're portraying God in the wrong light and they're leading God's people away and astray and Jesus gave some pretty strong warnings about heretics and people that do those type of things uh, in the scriptures in the New Testament when he was when he was speaking in the Gospels. so so it's not gang rape. It's gang, gang rape. It's not inhospitality. We know that uh, because the city was still judged. Neither gang rape happened. It didn't happen, and the inhospitality was done by Lot, not by the people. So because he wasn't willing to give them up, and that's an inhospitable thing, and so uh, they were still judged for it. So that's that's those. And then um, then when you move into the actual the New Testament, there's a couple. There's three different sections there. Um, you got you got those pulled up. You want to read those? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So we'll start off with Romans 1, 18 through 32. Okay. So this is a pretty long one, but bear with us. The <laughs> wrath of – and uh, these are all from the new uh, – the NIV, uh, the ones that I'm going to read. Well, I was reading from the ESV. Well, maybe that we should do a podcast on uh, different translations. Translations. Maybe. Yeah. It's probably not going to be that entertaining to most people, though. So anyways, so – Romans 1, uh, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their own wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his um, power and divine nature, have his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women, their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in, them, in themselves with the due penalty for their error. 
Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Man, my voice keeps cracking. (laughs) I swear I've I've gone through puberty. Um, They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Okay, so big portion of Scripture. Um, Paul's outlining some some cool things there, and uh, and so typically when when you begin to the, one of the one of the pro homosexual interpretations of Scripture is that um, they use this this phrase, this Greek phrase. Um, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it right now, but just bear with me. Uh, Arsenokotes. And uh, it's one who lies or sleeps with males is mm. what it is, and it's really it's really that that Greek word for that, and it's uh, re- it's restricted to male prostitution. So they make a difference here, and they uh, uh, male prostitution, uh, pedestry, um, uh, homosexual acts, or the negative dehumanizing patterns of homosexuality prevalent in the first century Hellenistic culture. Ancient and modern conceptions of homosexuality, too different to use the same term. So, so uh, let me clarify that for you. So the point they're saying is this is all uh, male prostitution, pedophile in the temple, pedestry. Yeah. So and it was totally different from what a twenty-first century loving committed relationship awesome. yes awesome summary what it looks like exactly so they're basically saying it's not the same thing right they're saying that, well yeah the expression of homosexuality in biblical times paul's writing times are different than today right but here's the thing that here's the thing that you have to understand is number one uh there was so if, if you're not familiar with corinth um or even ancient greek they had temples two idols and part of the idol, the way to worship those idols were that you got to have sex. So they had temple prostitutes, and so you would pay, and you'd go there, and you would have sex. And so part of the part of the whole con- now imagine that man makes his own religion, <laughs> and included in the worship of the religion is sex. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like imagine that doesn't uh, you know? I can't imagine that a man would that man would do that in our in our depravity that we would invent a religion where. You get to have sex on <laughs> right. when you come to worship um, with who, with the prostitutes, which would make a good money. So they were saying it was limited to the the use of that word in in Paul in Romans is is limited to those that are male prostitutes in the temple or pedophiles, pedestry, um, or homo, homo, homosexual acts that were negative or dehumanizing uh, in that was so pervasive in the first century. Hellenistic culture. So, so you know, here's the crazy thing about it is that if you, even just that they were standing on this whole pedestry, we've moved to where they're trying. There, there is an agenda to try and legalize pedophilia. They're trying to normalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening more and more. It's rampant 
in uh, it's being exposed rampantly in uh, in Hollywood and in some other dark circles of our government and things like that. Dark areas of our government. All I can say is Pizzagate, and uh, and so it, they're saying you know it's only against that. But now they're trying to normalize that, so they're moving even off their own agenda because this book's probably uh, probably ten years old or more, and so. Uh, so they're trying to move off of that. So here's the error and the weakness in that. So uh, most people don't realize this, that the, that homosexual, uh, homosexuality in the Roman culture was not welcomed. It was not approved of. Uh, most of the times when we think of Greek and Roman culture, we think of, that's one of the things we think of, oh, there was just free sex and <laughs> eating, right. people were feeding people grapes. And <laughs> you think of the movies like Caliglia and and uh, just the, the, the bizarre movies that came out in the 70s and 80s. And then you think even further along to like, uh, you know, Gladiator, things like that. Uh, there's some truth to the, the way that they portray the culture, but in reality, homosexuality was not by and large, you know, approved of in the- Celebrated. Yeah, it wasn't celebrated. Um, um, the, so, so that's one thing where they're wrong. So they're saying, oh, it's the Hellenistic difference, the culture that's different. That doesn't, that doesn't fit that narrative. Um, so, uh, when they talk about, uh, pedophiling or pedestry, I hate that word. Um, uh, it's unlikely since there's a different Greek word for that particular sin. So, so, so there were, if it wouldn't be when, when Paul uses that in Romans, it wouldn't be in reference to that because there's a different word, specific Greek word for that sin as well. So he would have said, or this. Right. And there's a, there's a litany of scriptures where Paul outlines specific sins. I think of Galatians where he talks about when you walk in the spirit, you won't gratify the, the desires of the flesh. And he says, and these are the desires of the flesh, and he goes right. through, and and he actually speaks of 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 sexual immorality in in that list, um, and he gives adultery, and he sp- speaks of specific sexual immoralities, um, so that doesn't work, um, so that's not going to work with as well. Um, he also uh, talks about um, that lesbian sex did not involve pedestry, um, but Paul, as a Jew, would never have approved of homosexuality. Um, because number one, it was against the Jewish law, but also wasn't welcome, welcomed in the Greek culture as well. So he was speaking, it wasn't, when Paul says these things in the New Testament, it wasn't as though it was something that was like ground, like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, right. you know? And it may not have been popular for some people, but it was, it was actually common, so... The whole idea of, of it being wrong. So, so th- those are just a couple of the examples. Um, and Scripture also sees no di- di- dichotomy between homosexual acts and the orientation uh, that Romans one eighteen through thirty two speaks of. And I want to look at that those scriptures again in Romans because um, in Romans one eighteen because there's actually a, a there's some some things that Paul writes there that are very interesting to take note of, and you. You know, if you're listening in your car or whatever, you can just go back and look at Romans chapter 1. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not going to do Bible studies on every podcast, by the way. But yeah. this is just helpful for us, and it's ho- hopefully helpful for you. But um, so Romans 1, when he gets to those verses, he says in he says in verse 24 of chapter 1, he says, Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, or I think in, your, in the uh, NIV, what does it say in the NIV? And Romans one twenty four. Oh, uh, 
Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. Okay, so sinful desires of their hearts, or the lusts of the hearts, the ESV says. Then in verse 20, uh, 26, he says, For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And mine says shameful lusts. Shameful lusts. And then in verse 28, he says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought, ought not be done. What is... Depraved mind. So you have this progression. So it's you know it, it's the persistence of the rejection of God, the knowledge of God's word, and the obedience to to said God's word. Uh, they God is giving them over. There's a, there's something that is exchanged for that rejection, wholesale rejection of obedience and accepting God's word and acknowledging it. But it starts in their hearts. He says at first he says he gave them over to the the lust or the passions, evil passions or evil desires of their hearts. And then it, and then it moves on from the hearts, and it says he gave them a dishonorable passions. So now it's more of the flesh is now in control. And then lastly on verse 28, it says, and, then, and it says that he gave them a debased mind. So it's like from the heart to the flesh and then finally to the way that you think. And this is the warning. This is the warning. So if you're a believer and... And maybe you're listening to this and you're struggling with same-sex attraction or you've struggled with it in the past. I just want to say, keep up the fight. Don't give in. Fight the fight. It's worth it. It's worth it. What's scary is when you give up the fight, you give in to the sin, and then there's going to be a progression that's going to put you on course of. And, I, you know, how, who, how long that takes, I don't know. God's merciful. Can you return from it? Absolutely. I love I love what Corinthians, the book of First Corinthians chapter six says. He talks at, at you know at the end of First Corinthians chapter six. He says, "This is what some of you were." I love that. It, I, I, it's First uh, Corinthians six verses nine through eleven. He says, um, "I'll just read read that real quick because it's good." He says, "Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, or adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, or revilers, swindlers. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God." As and such were some of you, so but you were you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. And so Paul clearly says that some of you, speaking of the Corinthians, some of you guys were this, some of you people were this, and he mentions homosexuality in there. Guess what that means? That means that you can move from that into a God honoring relationship. That there is change available. You're, this whole idea of you're born that way, nah. I, I just can't buy it, especially when Paul says in there that some of you were this way. So the behavior can change. It's a process. It takes time. But don't give in. Don't give up. You know. That's that's what I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you got anything you want to add to that, Rosie? No, man. I mean, I think you covered everything. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as what, you know, I think basically to, so to outline everything, <laughs> um, you know, hopefully we equipped you with some starting points to, um, you know, I, I think it's important for anyone that has, again, a relationship with someone that is struggling or if they themselves are struggling in here, um, with homosexuality or homosexual desires or same-sex attraction or whatever it's called. Um, you know, there's some stuff that we laid out that, you know, again, 
if you're if you're, if you're looking for it, you can find really really good resources. Um, hopefully, you know you know a little bit more in order to, you know, not feel like you're trapped or that that the Bible is outdated and um, it doesn't give uh, what do I say good responses yeah. to the world. Yeah, um, I, I know a lot of people I talk to always say that they're just like I don't I don't even want to bring it up when someone that is struggling with that talks to me as a Christian. They're like, oh, you know, I always tell them to go talk to a pastor or I'll bring them to a pastor. And I think it's important that, uh, and even, you know, to speak outside of just the homosexual uh, question or how to deal with that, you know, we should be equipped to, you know, share the faith and what we believe in, um, in all circumstances. So, yeah. Not only that, yeah. but I, I love what um, I love what First John says is if we if we confess our sins, he's just and he's he will forgive our sins. Yeah, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and he's just to forgive us if we confess our sins, and um, and so that's a great promise that uh, that's a good starting point. But also too, I just I don't think you should do it alone. Yeah, don't yeah. don't try and go through this alone. There's there are some people that love you. Find. A group of people that love you and that receive you for who you are, not for, not not for what you could be or what they want you to be, but who you are, and that's the good starting point. And um, and if you're if you have a friend that comes to you, if someone comes to you, to love them where they are. Yeah, this is the most important aspect of it all. Just loving people where they are is, it's just they're not receiving that anywhere. You know, and so the only agenda you have for them is for God to work in their life, and and so you be yeah. a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like don't put so much pressure on yourself to think that you you can save them. Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. You can uh, out logic. Uh, you know, if all of a sudden someone came up to me and a friend was like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" and we started to do an intellectual debate yeah, <laughs> about right. something that's not going to help them. Yeah, um, and you can't if you don't struggle with it. It's going to be hard for you to really identify with them, but man, love them. Yeah. Have compassion. And God's bigger. He can I mean, Amen. he can work through anything. Yeah, uh, that's right. And I was going to say I think it's important. And it's very cliché to hear, but uh it's so true is that like we all everyone struggles with different sin. Yeah. And uh I I don't want to commit heresy and say all sin is exactly the same in the eyes of God, but for the most part it is. Um, and I mean, as far as like whatever sin that I struggle with and I pray to God, you know, I have had things that I've struggled with been completely removed and it is no longer an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and things that I never thought I could get out of, Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, God. So, I mean, I- I'm sure anyone that I've talked to that has crazy stuff like that, there- there's people that have. You know, you can talk to, and I'm sure many people have had instances in their lives where something has been, you know, oh, I struggle with greed or something like that. And I, they'll say, you know, for example, I, I struggle with greed and, you know, I started praying about it and God worked in my life and my heart got softened or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And there's changes made and things that, you know, people being brought out of bondage of anything. Yeah. And so... Yeah, God can totally do it. Yeah. And yeah, he can. 
just he does he still yeah, does. yeah yeah all the time so that's awesome man yeah dude well this has been a great podcast and i you know i hope maybe i'm not gonna ask any more instagram questions because it just gets <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I look i'm we're praying for you guys we thank you for those that you know responded to the question and 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 uh for this particular topic uh we just want you to know we love you and and uh and look we're looking forward to to what god's going to do and uh hey this has been a great episode rosie it's been awesome yeah is there anything else you want to no man that, that, yeah. i feel like we've spent it out it's been over an hour so that's yeah. cool and uh listen thank you for sticking out listening to this podcast you know it's a it's a topic that uh, can get dicey. And uh, look, I want to apologize for anyone that I may have offended in this. Yeah. But I love you. And uh, I don't want that to come between me and you in any way. So uh, uh, stick it out. And uh, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us, or you can find us on Twitter at AllOutWarCast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.